the Serving Football Show. Welcome, everybody, to another week in the world of Serving Football. This is your host, Miller, speaking. Uh, thank you for joining us here on our Spotify channel uh, or at uh, our YouTube channel, the Serving Football Show. Excited to talk about some big stories and, and all the news in the world of Serving Football. And this week, like every other week, I have a couple special guests joining me. First, we have our man, Luca. The world traveler, uh, Luca. What part of the globe are you in this week? Hey, man. Quite, quite possibly the best city in the world. That's Belgrade, Serbia, dude. And and I, <laughs> I, I have two things to say about it, dude. First of all, today was just a absolutely gorgeous day, man, in Belgrade. Um, and it was around sixty degrees Fahrenheit. You, you guys can convert that to Celsius. But the second thing I have to say, man, is as soon as I came to Belgrade, this guy Alexa gets the first flight out of Serbia, man. I'm just the timing's a little off for me. I don't know what's going on there, dude. Yeah, Alexa, you're in Chicago, right? You left right when Luca came. Yeah, dude. Hey, I got to free up the space, man. The Bitcoin investing and the Bitcoin and the NFTs and all that stuff, man. I can't be taking up this territory. The city's not big enough for the Sorry, Alexa. Alexa's in Illinois buying a Chirac ape. That's the NFT of Vitro's gold in 90th minute, which is going to go through bank. That's right. You know, I'm going to be able to finance it so we can have a live show. All four of us. <laughs> we'll right, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really shocked that the FSS hasn't gotten in on the NFT scam yet. <laughs> I know, uh, dude. How have, they have, how have they not released something? You're trying to imply <laughs> that they haven't, or that they just haven't announced it to the world. Yeah, <laughs> knowing them, though, they'll release one in two years when it's already right. the bus. It's already <laughs> over. <laughs> Veli, how's it going in down under, my man? As soon as it goes bust, I'll invest in it for sure because that's just my luck. You know what I mean? Uh, Alexa, I've got one word for you, buddy. The minute that you know that Luca's coming to town, run. You know what I mean? I've, got, I've, I've had that. I've, I've had the absolute pleasure. I've had the absolute pleasure of sitting with him a few times now for a free a few drinks. But um, if you ever thought that you had it a little bit with the ladies or anything like that, as soon as Luca sits down with you, mate, anything that you have just evaporates. So just, <laughs> just, just take over the cargo. Not to mention, I still want to keep my liver. Exactly right. So just, just, just take over Chicago, all right? Like, I don't think Luca's been there yet. And so, um, uh, dude, just take over those cities one by one, all right? Indeed, I will. All right, boys. So a lot of things to t- catch up on this week. Um, first, let's discuss what we have to discuss. <laughs> the European adventures ending for Tsunami Zvezda and for Partizan uh, last week. Um, we saw both clubs try to overcome a three-goal deficit and, and, of course, didn't work out for either of them. Obviously, one club had a bit of a better showing than the other one, but we can get to that as well. Um, Zvezda knocked out on aggregate to Glasgow Rangers, played really well in Belgrade, 1-2-1, but obviously wasn't enough to overcome the deficit. And then Pizan, uh well, they, they, didn't, they didn't come as close, but... You know, at least they scored a goal away in uh, Rotterdam against Feyenoord. But, yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's hard to be too critical of them because I think the, the gap of quality is much greater between them and Feyenoord as opposed to as the Rangers, which is a bit more of a realistic matchup. Uh, but at the end of the day, unfortunate that both our clubs are out, um, especially, you know, what we saw in the game with Zezza and, and the Rangers in the first half. That Popko miss, I mean, if it was 2 nothing at halftime, you got to like your chances of, you know, getting into penalties at least. But it wasn't to be, and 
nothing, nothing to hang their heads in shame about. I think over the over the both the legs, I think it was fairly even. Even Zaza had better possession in both games, I believe. So, just sometimes that's football. The, the bounces don't go your way. The luck doesn't go your way. But got to move on and, and get on and get on and hope to do do better next year. Luca, I know you were at the at the game uh, last week at the Maracana. What were your thoughts on that performance and the giant general our clubs uh, crashing out of Europe? Um, so I'll, I'll start with the Zvezda game, man. And uh, so I was there for this the second leg in Belgrade, and I gotta say, man, like the uh, the atmosphere, everything was just just freaking amazing, man. Maracana basically full, um, and it was it was just beautiful to be a part of it, and you could just sense the momentum building from kickoff and and you know when they scored that first goal you're like this is it man and and I am of the belief if they would have scored that second goal before halftime that we would have went through because it was just uh you, you can just tell you know in the atmosphere and everything and how it was building the players were into it they're playing extremely hard uh the fans were all into it um you know once we didn't get that second goal in the first half I was getting a little worried and then you know the second half uh, started and and it kind of went downhill, obviously, once they scored that goal. But even before that, man, once we started missing chances, you know, one right after the other, I, I don't think I've ever been to a live game where we, where the team I was rooting for has missed so many damn chances. Um, and over the two legs, man, I gotta say, dude, I don't think the the better team went through. And I'm not even saying that, you know, from a biased perspective. I really don't think the better team went through. I think the better team was Viesda in both in both of those legs. And I think um, we were just freaking unlucky. But with that being said, uh, everything that that team did and the way that they played against Rangers in both legs, I gotta tip my hat to them, and I gotta tip my hat to um, Stankovic and the whole team, man. And I, I really think they put in a performance. Obviously, there's things we can improve on. Obviously, there's some players that I have some big question marks if they're if they can take us to that next level. Like for example, like you know, I think we were all happy with the Ohi signing, but you know, after seeing him against Rangers and kind of being invisible. I have some questions like is he the guy who can like take you to the next level in Europe and and things like that. Um, it's you know it's cool to score against you know some Serbian Super League teams, but we need goals when they when they really matter. Um, and so, but overall, man, I'm just I'm just happy for, for Zvezda. I'm happy that they got that victory in the second leg because um, they definitely deserved it, and I think they were the better team uh, overall. As far as Partizan, man, I was uh, actually on my way to Belgrade. I was uh, watching the first half um, against Feyenoord, and I was like, oh, man, this is like they can do it, man. And it was like, I believe it was 1-1 at halftime, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then Partizan took the lead. It was 2-1. It was I didn't get, get to watch the second half. I was on live score and checking the score, and I was like, oh, shit, they, they, they scored and they went up. Partizan being up and then and then um I was like checking into my gate and everything so uh, and and I was just following what you guys were saying in the group chat where you were like <laughs> but you were like saying ambiguous stuff as the goals were being scored so it was like wow was, like I can't <laughs> believe that and I was like oh shit what happened bro is is uh, Partizan up by like uh you know three or four goals and it turned out to be the other way around man um and I I I, I obviously didn't get to watch the second half of that first leg and I didn't get to watch the the uh, the second leg either, so I can't speak too much on Patizan's performance, man. But um, you know, I think I think even what they achieved in Europe was 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 pretty impressive uh, uh, with with the team that they have. And now, obviously, we know that the the league title is up for grabs for both teams. So I'm just excited to see how this all ends. But overall, man, 
it's hard not to be happy for both of our teams and what they did in Europe. I'm 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 proud of Zvezda. I'm proud of Partizan, and I just hope that they can keep it going. Hey, look, I think uh, the one half you watched of Partizan in the first leg was probably the. You didn't see. You didn't. See, <laughs> you didn't need to see more after yeah. that. Trust me. <laughs> I turned it off at the right moment. That. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you, you bring up a good point about Ohi as well. Um, I know it's still early days, and he's. This is you know his first real games on a, on a bigger stage against Rangers, and and he was pretty invincible. Invisible, not invincible. The opposite, <laughs> he was invisible, and he could have actually scored. He had he had that. that he had chances. A couple. Of, he had chances, and he put, couldn't put him away. Him and Popko both had chances; they couldn't put him away. Everybody had chances; they couldn't put him away. Yep. It was one of the most frustrating games I've seen in a long time for all the misses. Uh, but we'll see with him. He's scoring goals every week in the Serbian league, which is nice. But we'll see what happens this summer in Europe. Uh, I wouldn't put it past Zvezda bringing another striker just to give him some more competition because uh, clearly I don't think him and Popko are, are good enough for this level to get goals. At least not yet. Uh, Veli, what were your thoughts on Zvezda uh, he's on uh, bowing out of Europe? You're going to think, what's the matter with me? But trust me, modern psychiatry hasn't been able to work that out yet. Um, I got over the European nights probably only 24 to 48 hours ago. And I'll tell you why for, for a few reasons. Number one, I just need to correct something that I said in the last podcast. I was, when we were previewing the, the European ties, for, especially for Partizan, um, I, I, I was talking about Feyenoord, but I probably had AZ Alkma in my head. So um, if I made a bit of a factual error, I just need to um, quickly rectify that and apologise um, for that. But to going back to the game, I think it's it goes like this to me. As long as we learn, okay, because there is no easy fix. There is no easy fix to for Zvezda or Partizan to progress deeper into European competitions. And it's not the matter of a signing. It's not the matter of, oh, you know, do we get an hockey or do we get someone else or do we get another striker? What we need takes a plan. It takes time and it takes a lot of hard work. So what I'm trying to say about it is this. Especially in the first legs, Zvezda and Partizan were really um, caught out making mistakes that within the Serbian league, you just get away with. But in a tough European night, you don't. And, you know, there were a few examples there. And, like, the, the, the couple that come to mind is this. And when uh, Partizan played in Belgrade and they went one nil up, and the thing is, is you know, Partizan scored two really nice goals at home. The only problem is, is they conceded five, right? So, um, and the atmosphere was was fantastic at Partizan Stadium, and that's what we need more of. We want to relive those nights in our Serbian capital for both Partizan and Serbian Zvezda, and I think that needs to be the motivation for our clubs and for our football to aspire to. That needs to be the point that we need to get to more often and how can we live through those to, ex- uh, to those experience on a more frequent basis. So if you go to the Partizan game, when 
Partizan conceded that first goal. There was this diagonal pass that was played to the Feyenoord player at the top of the box. And then he sort of like played then an inside pass within the box. And that's how Feyenoord scored. There was no intervention from a Partizan defender. There was no one trying to, you know, come out for a block or anything like that. And the thing is, is that type of defending you're going to get away with playing against Novi Pazar or Bacca Palanca or heaven knows who, but you're never going to get away with that playing against Feyenoord. The second goal, um, Partizan uh, conceded, and it, it, it mirrored so much the second goal that Zvezda um, conceded in, in Glasgow was when this ball came in and um, Irakovic uh, for Zvezda, and I can't remember who did it for Partizan, they basically headed the ball back into the centre of the ground instead of going back out of play or um, um, back to where it came from. And I know it's a little bit hard to articulate um, what I'm trying to say, but if you know if people have the time and have the energy and have the interest, you could go see the, the second goal that Zvezda conceded and the second goal that Partizan conceded. And like there was these two defensive headers that you might think it was, yeah, all right, but... They're those little things that in European competition, um, they, you know, you make those mistakes, you pay the price. And we both got made those mistakes. Zvezda Partizan made the mistakes. Feyenoord hammered Partizan really badly. Rangers hammered Zvezda badly enough that they still gave Zvezda a sniff, though. But again, it was a mountain too high to climb. I was, you know, in the Zvezda game, I was a little bit, you know, um, I know Irakovic had a fantastic game against Braga, especially in Portugal, but I was surprised that Adaman Pankov didn't start, and we had that in our group chat uh, previously in the Glasgow game, especially that came to, to, to bear where Zvezda conceded their third goal in, 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 um, in Glasgow and three Zvezda players were out-jumped by the one Rangers um, centre-half, and you went, oh, wow, uh, good old-fashioned things, like there was nobody on each post, um, you know, when Zvezda was defending that corner. Again, that was another defensive lapse, and we paid heavily for it. Now, this is the last thing i just got to say, and I, I suppose it probably contributed to how I felt for a long time. We live in this world and we live in this modern type era whereby if you are not following the narrative, then you're ostracised. And I hope one day that will change or what I like to refer to as the silent majority will one day say that, you know what, people, enough is enough. During my week, I listened to many things because, for God's sake, who would want to watch commercial television or commercial radio here in Australia? It's, it's bloody awful. But I listened to many things. I listened to The Guardian Football Weekly. I listened to the BBC Football Daily. Um, I listened to a Serie A podcast. Um, and the other thing, one of the other things that I listened to is BBC uh, Scottish Football Podcast. Now, it's extremely... I, I like it a lot. And to be honest with you, I can still continue to listen to it because they're a good bunch of guys. Uh, I love listening to a guy called Tom English, who's actually an Irishman who 
commentates about you know Scottish sport, but to listen to BBC Scottish football after the Zvez the um, the Zvez the ties, and when they say things and they're convinced about that Zvezda didn't cause Rangers any problems, <laughs> you go, wow. Do you know what I mean? Like, and you go, maybe I'm on a different planet or maybe I'm, I came from a world that maybe just doesn't exist or a planet that doesn't exist, whether it be Mars or Pluto, I'm not quite sure. But these guys were absolutely convinced and maybe that came back off, off the back of, you know, beating Borussia Dortmund, which was a class act and a, and a fantastic result and will go down in their history and good on them. I've got nothing against any of those um, journalists or, or the podcast itself, but maybe one day the mentality will change and maybe we can get like a fairer system. Because Zvezda did open up ranges in both legs many times. And we had a discussion in our group chat and just our um, stars wouldn't align and we weren't able to get a podcast in between first and second legs. You know, Zvezda needed to play that game as a two-legged tie and in the second leg to play that match as possibly a 120-minute tie and not get too disheartened if we didn't um, uh, lead 2 nil at half-time or we didn't get the, the lead back within half an hour or anything like that. But to say that Rangers had no issue or no problems, you know, you talk about the uh, Orchi chances and you talk about the um, Pavkov miss, but I'm telling you, that, you know, Mirko Ivanic scored that second goal almost two or three minutes after he scored the first. Mm -hmm. Rangers would have been in real trouble. Yep. Now... We know that winners are grinners, and we know that Bobby Nitsipisha, Historio, or whatever the saying is, and it's not sour grapes. But all I can say to people is one day the narrative will turn. One day, the listening to the silliness of the minority, this is what football's all about. Sometimes you've got to say, do you know what? I think we killed you guys, but you guys won so fair play to you. Let's have let's really, really, really have a look at it, right? Rangers went ahead in the first leg from two very poorly, you know, defended set pieces. But that is a strength of British football, their organisation of, of set pieces. And they caught us on a counter, which is always bound to happen in the second leg. And you know what? They went through, and in strict football terms, they probably deserve to go through. But what I'm just trying to get at is the fact is that you're always... Western European clubs are always at a massive advantage to what we have in Eastern Europe just due to the finances, due to the money, and due to the infrastructure. But please just, if you have any humility in yourselves, don't go in and say that Zvezda didn't cause you any trouble, right? And I know history says that Rangers won the first leg, Zvezda won the second leg, and all that type of gear. And yeah, winners are grinners, I get it. It's not sour grapes, okay? I've got a family, I've got a life, you know, we've got to get on with it. And that's the way it goes. 
but I hope one day it comes back to bite you on the ass. Well, Veli, um, you, you know the only way that the narrative is going to change is if Zvezda wins. You know, like, what are they going to say if Zvezda went through? It is. Now, this is the thing, to go back to the plan and the hard work. There is no easy fix, right? There is no easy fix. Do, we, do you take the Superliga down from, uh, you know, do you, you cut it by four, four clubs and then two years later you cut it down by an extra two? Do we have the fantasy of us playing in a regional league like they do in basketball with the ex-Yugoslavia? I don't know. Would that increase the competition? I'm not quite sure. But what it, whatever it is... We need to be patient. We need to make smart decisions. We need time. And you know what? It does take a lot of work, right? And we need to be patient. Zvezda is not is what the Zvezda Partizan are not what it once was. But what I want, you know, like I think I said it in that group chat, Partizan played in one of Europe's great stadiums not too long ago. You know, they played at the De Kuyp Stadium in Rotterdam. I just want to see that more often. For sure. Right? Zvezda played at Ibrox. I want to see that more often. And the thing is that I'm not going to jump up and down and say, oh, Zvezda could have won the Europa League and Partizan could have made the, um, uh, the Conference League final. But on the ties that were given to us, I think one of the clubs could have been playing one round more. I agree. And that's and that's the part that I suppose hurts a little bit. History shows they won. Well done them. We've got nothing against them. But do you know what? I want to be alive when that narrative starts to change in all walks of life. And that we just... People are not living in their own little bubble. And they thought, you know what? Red Star didn't cause them problems. Or Red Star Belgrade, you know, like they were... You know, Rangers were always in control or whatever it is. Do you know what? Get your hand off it, right? Because Zvezda cuts you guys open many, many, many times. And I suppose in the future, where we'll get our paths to cross again, we will piss ourselves laughing that our mob from Belgrade, whether they wear black and white stripes or red and white stripes, will beat a Liverpool once again. And with all your money, with all your finances, and with all your infrastructure, you came and you lost. And those days will come again. Damn right, Veli. And as our, as our man Lucas says, it's called the clapping seal syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all it is, right? It really is. You know, I'm sure none of them actually believe that Rangers was in trouble by Zvezda. Dude, they lost, they lost the second leg. Like, to say they, they were the in trouble. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> listen, it is, it is a good podcast, and I like it, and the guys are really good. But on that particular game, I don't know whether it's that West versus East and everything of in the East is, is inferior no. or primitive, but it probably is. Right. Right? Yeah, you know, when we, when, we look at the issue, when we look at the issue of racism, okay, whatever it is, you know, like... Um, that British organisation kick out, you know, kick it out or whatever it is about racism. When they go to Prague, when they go to Sofia, when they go to Belgrade, when they go to, you know, Bucharest, they jump up and down at the first sight of anything, but you're allowed to throw rubber bananas at a Manchester City game and nothing gets done. Right. Just, you know, just listen, you guys are humorous, right? Your organisations and what you stand for are humorous. It's not humorous for the concept of the thing because we don't want that either. We are decent, cultured 
human beings, but one rule for one and one rule for another, then it becomes humorous. That's right. And let's uh, talk a, bit, a little more about Partizan now for a minute, Alexa. Alexa, I, I remember in the first leg, or I get, when uh, we were initially discussing uh, Partizan against Feyenoord and the winter transfer season and all that, we said that you know Partizan needed more help in midfield, and that you know we didn't want to see someone like Milan Lolas Milanić playing again, and then you know we saw him playing again against Feyenoord in Europe uh, in in the round of 16. Um, so clearly the lack of depth, you know, face up still probably never going to be able to play again at this rate. Who knows? That guy might be injured forever. But um, I feel like that was one of the big missed opportunities for Partizan was not having a better winter transfer uh, winter transfer window. But what were your thoughts on them and their you know decisive loss against Feyenoord and a bit of Ozzez as well? Well, the, the loss itself um, doesn't necessarily bother me so much because I think the difference in quality was evident from the draw itself. I think you look at Feyenoord's value is, is a hundred something million on transfer market. They've got a bunch of young, very talented players. They've got a manager who knows how to work with those young players. Um, they take this competition very seriously. They were in a tough group, and they dismantled all their opponents. They're chasing the Dutch League title. They've got a great fan base, um, and they've got certain players that are bad matchups for us. So the notion that they were going to beat us didn't necessarily bother me. I was hoping for a competitive game, and I was hoping that we were going to have an opportunity uh, to, to at least make a good accounting of ourselves. And uh, we obviously didn't do a show between the, the first and second leg. And um, the thing that, that bothered me specifically about the game is that I can, I can understand if somebody's faster than you, uh, if they have more money, if they can you know, buy better players, uh, if somebody's just technically better than you. you know, for example, what uh, Sidney Stara did for, his, uh, for the fourth goal, the, the chest down and a volley, that's something that none of our players can do and most players in most leagues can't do. And um, the goal that their right back scored as well was a, was a shot of great technical power and, and accuracy. And uh, it's hard to find somebody in our league who can do that. But the thing that bothered me tremendously, I think, was the, was the fact that the team just psychologically seemed like it gave up. And I, and I think that, especially the fifth goal, I mean, that's just Amishar defending, balls played into the box, the defenders don't clear it. And um, the, the, the sense was that Fanner probably even in the second league could have put four or five passes if they really cared. And obviously injuries played a part. Um, it, whether or not the game would have been different if not Ho stays healthy after the goal he scores, it's a different argument, uh, but the, 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 rem, the reminding thing for me was it was the game that, uh, not to use a comparison of, of another club in a negative sense, but it's really what popped into my head, was the game that Zvezda had against Ludo Goretzka, was it back in 2016, when you went up against an opponent that you're, that's probably better than you, an opponent that's technically better than you, but you capitulate in such a way that you really don't make a great accounting of yourself. And it was the same, same situation. We scored two nice goals, just like Zvezda did in that game. And then the team just falls apart tactically, and it, and it falls apart, especially physically. I think that we played the first half was a game that was worthy of that level of competition, and, and it was a game where we we went out and, and we pressed them high, which I understand why we did that in our, in our home, you know, in our home stadium. And in that sense, I, I don't necessarily agree with some of the fans' reactions in terms of how we approached it, because if we would have sat back and tried to play in a more counterattacking style, then we probably would have gotten, you know, Stanovich would have gotten slaughtered for it, and there would have been various reactions about it. So I understand why we did what we did, and, and we, we were fairly competitive in the first half. They were obviously the better team, but I didn't feel like we were out of it. 
and then once the 60th minute, and especially the second goal that they scored, it's just it, it's such amateur hour defending. The ball's not there properly. The positioning of the center backs is is, is terrible. They're, they're not holding the offside line properly. Popovich is completely discombobulated in terms of his positioning, and it's just a weak strike that just goes past him. And um, those are the penalties you have with a young goalkeeper. I can live with that, but but the fact that it got to that point um, was was pretty annoying. And then after that, it just it, the team just collapsed. There was just no strength. There was no energy left. Um, mentioned the transfer window. I mean, if we were to sit and talk about the transfer policy of this club, it would take me forever. And um, you know, it, it came back to it. And and and, I, and you have to look at the manager, and you have to look at at, at the team that set that you know the, the people in the the board that bought those players and believed in them. And if you look at the squad itself, I mean, if you're insisting on Miller Shoich being a defensive midfielder when he's not a defensive midfielder, then this is what's going to happen. If you are insisting on Lazar Markovic playing, who has not scored a single Super League goal, then you know that this is what's going to happen. If you are insisting on having two strong center backs who are slow, who are identical to one another, who have nobody to fix their mistake in terms of speed, if they make a mistake, then you're going to see what happens. You saw that with Sinistero when he dribbled past everybody. And um, it was they were mistakes that were easily fixable, I think, in the transfer window. I refused to believe in the notion that there was no money involved. And I did a long Twitter thread about all the players you can find in the Superliga that can become players that are ready for Partizan that can help the team now and that have an opportunity to develop further. Um, but ultimately, it, it, the, the frustrating thing is it didn't have to be 5-2. I can live with losing, but, but we got embarrassed. And... We haven't conceded five goals in our stadium since Petakipa, although this is different because Petakipa was fixed. Whereas this was, I don't know if this was fixed or not, but it, you know the, the, the team capitulated. And this is the first time we've ever conceded eight in a two-legged tie. So it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. And I think that the reason why it leaves such a sour taste primarily is because if we knew that there was a system and if we knew there was a plan, that there was a vision about what the club was going to be in maybe two, three, four years, now that you're pretty much guaranteed to have European football due to where our league is positioned coefficient-wise and you're guaranteed to, to play six games you know, in the group stages, whether it's the conference or the Europa League, if you had an idea about how you're going to develop the many talented youngsters you have, then this wouldn't be such a bad thing. And if, if you knew that there was a system of progressive football to be played, then you could deal with it. Because again, we got into the round of 16 of a European competition, and in that sense, this European season has been a success because I don't think anybody in our, our camp anticipated it to go that far. But if you look at how the squad was selected, then you have to ask why is it a success? Because it could have been the squad could have been selected much better. And you know some of the mistakes that were made were were evident. And and the thing that bothered me more so than anything was not even so much the archaic philosophy that we had, but it was the lack of strength, the lack of stamina, the lack of speed. I mean, they looked like they were playing on, you know, fast motion and we looked like we were in slow motion. I mean, that, that's how it looked. I'm not saying that we were tactically slow or, you know, incapable of, of it didn't look like the players were devoid of motivation. They just, they, they weren't able to play physical football. And that's, you know, they, they beat us on pace and they beat us on technical ability. And that's, that's what, there's no excuse for that. And there's no excuse for the team to collapse like it did in the fifth goal and, Stanovic has shown, if you look at the serious games we've had, like the really serious games we've had in the Conference League, we had Sochi, which was a nice game that we were able to win just about. It was, they're a good team that we knocked out, but they're a team that depended on technical ability and passing and playing a slower brand of football, which suits us more. If you look at the teams that actually have a faster brand of football, the likes of Ghent and, and Feyenoord, we were made to look second rate. And the money that, that this manager's had and the time he's had, he's had four transfer windows to make the team. He said multiple times he's happy with what the transfer window is. 
um, you know, a lot of it falls on his shoulders. And if you were going to prioritize the league the way he has, then dropping points to Bruant that an opera shouldn't have happened. So I dislike the position he's put himself in, and I feel sorry for him in a way, but at the same time, I don't because he made his own bet. He has to live with it. And if you consider the fact that we have to get, a, we gave him a three year contract, um, you know, this year we might not even win the league title. We put that under serious duress. I seriously doubt that it's going to stay this way until the Derby. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we draw points elsewhere. You're asking him to go win there in Zvezda Stadium, which we haven't done in God knows how long. And at the end of the season, you're left with possibly no cup, n- you know, no league title, and you're with a team where you have maybe five or six guys that are ready for serious European football because. If this season team would have gone to the Europa League, I don't know if we would have garnered more than three points. And you've given them a three-year contract, and you're supposed to go up against the likes of, you know, I don't even know what the teams are in the Champions League qualifying, but Rapid Vienna and Celtic and, you know, possibly Dinamo Zagreb and teams like, does anybody believe that we can compete with those teams the way we look now? No. And even the guys we have in this team right now that are ready to play serious European football in terms of physicality, in terms of their technical ability, Zdjellar is probably leaving at the end of the season. Uh, Nato is 34. Ricardo Gomez is 30, not to mention he doesn't know what a pass is. The guy refuses to pass to save his life. Um, You know, the face is is, is routinely injured. The goalkeeper is a youngster. Quincy Manning is a good player, but he struggles with the ball to speed and doesn't really, isn't really able to play in front of teams that set up a a block ahead of him, you know, that set up two banks of four. And then you have Oroshevich, who doesn't have a backup, and Obradovic, who's routinely injured, and he's probably going to get injured at some point because he's playing all the games. So it, the talent's not so much the issue, just the way that this team was assembled, which is a disaster. They've had four transfer windows, and um, they failed miserably. I didn't really watch much of the fan art game uh, that was played in, in Rotterdam because I was in transit at that point, and I saw a little bit of it. We made a better accounting of ourselves, and it's nice to see some guys get minutes. It was nice to see Ricardo score. It's devastating and very sad that Milan's is still getting minutes. I, I can't, the guy's a mascot and he should be chucked out of the club. And um, the good thing about it was that uh, the, 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 the Partizan fans made a big deal and uh, they did a great job of making themselves hurt. And what's a pretty loud stadium and Feyenoord uh, is a pretty raucous fan base and uh, we made a good accounting of ourselves. And I think that that disputes the notion that the fans aren't interested and that the fans are the reason why the team's not doing so well and that they don't care and that they should support the team. Well, the fans have been supporting the team, but you need something to support. And uh, I think that uh, this hasn't been it. I I think that we've done well to stay first, but uh, I've said before, the league title in this particular situation in Serbian football, however you want to quantify that, uh, is not something that I'm interested in. I'm interested in trying to make money off of either selling players or winning in, in Europe. And this current team has not shown the ability to do that. Because, yeah, it's nice to win in a conference, but the group we had, we should have done better in the group. It was nice to win against Sparta, but again, you know, we, we could have had tougher opponents. We were fairly lucky with that draw, and we were made to look second ring this tie. And uh, the, the future of the club's not in good hands. I think that there are guys in the summer that we could get that could make the situation better if you were to give them long-term contracts, if you were to build something. But building something has never been our forte, and it hasn't been like that since 1966. So... Uh, I'm I'm very skeptical of the rest of the season. I'm hoping that the league title can maybe save Stanovic's reputation and maybe save the club's particular position going forward, or that maybe Russia gets eliminated so that we have a spot in the Europa League qualifiers for this season coming up. But um, it, it, it's tough, and uh, the the results would dictate that the situation is really good. But uh, if you're to look at it deeply, then you'd see a lot of causes for concern. And as far as Feyenoord goes, they played a great game. They got a bunch of great talented players. I don't know if they're the favorites to win this. I think Leicester and Rome are going to take it seriously, but I wouldn't be shocked if they go far. Uh, as far as Vezda goes, um, 
I have to admit that as somebody who is from the other side of the spectrum, I am a little bit annoyed at this point of, of all the crying and the whining in the media and from journalists and everyone else. And that isn't necessarily uh, reflecting on you guys, as you guys are fair and, and, and fairly objective, but just the whining about, oh, we missed chances and we were unlucky. Well, no, I mean, everything in football mostly happens for a reason. And all the chances of Vesna missed, they missed because they weren't efficient. They missed because they had chances they should have scored and they didn't. And yes, there was a little bit of bad luck involved with, you know, the shot that uh, McGregor saved that he spilled and Ben hits it right back at him. That is bad fortune because the ball just bounced off the, the, the pitch that way. But the other chances that they missed, I mean, that's just an inability to get things done. It was the same thing, you know, in, 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 in Scotland. And the fact guys were offside and they missed the penalty, well, those aren't things that are down to bad luck. Those are things that you... Absolutely. Absolutely. Things that you learn in, you know, in, in training, you know, hey, stay on side. Or, you know, this is how you practice penalties. You know, penalties are a lottery is the worst cliche in football. It's not a lottery. It's something that people practice and take very seriously. And uh, with the amount of penalties as it is, it gets into domestically, you'd think they'd be better at, but I digress. Um, <laughs> but it, it, in all seriousness, it... Um, you know, it, 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 it certainly wasn't a 3-0 game away. I, I think in that sense I can agree with that because they show that they have the technical ability to attack on, uh, on counters and that they have the ability to friend Rangers who can be had. But they weren't efficient enough. They didn't take their chances. And if you're looking at luck, I mean, let's be honest, if you look at the last five years of Zvezda's European Odyssey, if I was to list all the situations that have gone in Zvezda's favor and all the bounces they've gotten from the disallowed goal in Krasnodar to, you know, the game against Salzburg to... You know, all this stuff that's gone on, I mean, we'd be here for the next 10 minutes counting all those things. The dice was inevitably going to turn another way. And I think that for Zvezda's sake, and I'm hoping that they don't listen to me, but if they're going to be a serious European club, what they should do is quit the whining, quit the, 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 the pandering and the crying about how we were unlucky, and now that, they, you know, Rangers through Praga, so they're going to go to the semifinal, and it could have been us. First of all, um, Rangers put four past it. it. It wasn't like a nil-nil and a nil-nil, and then you lost on penalties, and you know, all right, we shot ourselves in the foot that we really just had one of those games that wouldn't go in. They conceded four goals. Um, the mistakes they made were, I think, fairly preventable. Um, as great as Slavia Pesonic is, is he really someone that you should fix and stick in the middle of the park for this type of a game? And he's not even a central midfielder. He's a wide player, but they stuck him in there because they didn't have anyone else to go to with Ibrox. And that came back to bite them because he wasn't really stopping the counterattacks. He ended up, you know, he ended up creating the penalty. He fouled Ryan Kent in, in the first leg. Um, the thing with Adakovic, they're trying to shoehorn him into being a national team player and they're trying to raise his value artificially. That's not going to work. You know, the best thing for them to do is to let that kid play, let him make mistakes, and let him develop. And they're trying to force him to be something he's not. I, yeah, I couldn't agree. Brother, I couldn't agree with you more there. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was, yeah, Adakovic had a really good game against Braga, but Braga's way of playing football allowed Adakovic to have a good game as well. Rangers was a totally different proposition. And, you know, although although Degenek is long gone, you know, that, that was that was a night ideal for, you know, for Milos Degenek or, or you know, and that's why we spoke about it in the in the in the chat um, about, you know, possibly playing Radovan Pankov there because he's he's well, all I mean, like I can, I can understand them going to Edekovic because they have to develop a youngster because they they haven't developed a youngster in a long time. They can be of serious value, and Adankovic is talented. He has the ability to cover multiple positions. He's good with the ball on his feet. He's tall. He's mobile. And the development of young players is such that if you're going to develop them, young players are going to make mistakes. That's the same thing that we had uh, with Maxime Absolutely, but I suppose, where, I suppose where I came on that thing is well, you guys will remember when Zvezda went through when they beat Copenhagen. 
and Radovan Pankov came on and he was a relative nobody. Right. And the man was ice cold. He was ice cold, no emotion, super efficiency. And I just thought that that could have been possibly an opportunity, for, uh, like opportunity for, for them. So, like Alex, the one of the you, you always say these things a lot more eloquently than I ever will. It's you, you hit the nail on the head. It's efficiency. So we paid the price for the mistakes we made, not just defensively, of which I probably honed on, but we like Zvezda paid the price for the mistakes they made offensively as well. We missed too many chances. Yes, for sure. And you know, you miss too many chances. You don't score, you don't progress, and Elvam Shipak. Do you know what I mean? And that's the brutal reality of what football is all about. And, that's, and another part that I want to get to is that, that, you know, if you're looking at the development of clubs and, and the way that they developed in European football, right? You take Rangers, for example. They're in the quarterfinals now. They have a chance to go to the semifinals. If you look at Rangers the last three years, they had a game against Team of Slavia Prague that they were better than, and the same thing happened here. They missed chances, that they weren't efficient. It came back to bite them on the ass. And they had another game before that against Leverkusen where they progressed out of the group. The year before that, they were they, they barely got into the groups. So if you want to develop to get to a point where you can be respectable in the Europa League and you challenge for the quarterfinals and the semifinals and just the natural progression of club, that's something that can't happen overnight. And that's something that they have to, they have to be aware of. They have to have a long-term plan for that. And I think that the same thing goes for Edna Coach. If you're going to develop a youngster, that's going to give you a lot of money. You have to be also aware of the fact that that youngster can make mistakes. Mark Milanovic is the same situation for us where he had a sitter against Napredak, and if he scores that, the league table looks completely different, and I'm, I'm probably singing a different tune, but he didn't. But, but I'm not Alexa, who's not aware that Irakovic is going to make mistakes? Like, and who's also well, forcing yeah, Irakovic to you know, go also, to the national the, team? The other point is that the, the Pankov point you made, you know, Copenhagen, let's be honest, play a much more similar style of Braga. They might be even uglier to watch than Braga, so... You know, it's, it's vastly different in that type of a game where it's, it's a lot of close space and a lot of long balls compared to Rangers who are quick in counterattacking situations. And ultimately, uh, they didn't listen to your advice, Savelli, in the second leg because you said that they should, that they should trade like a 90-minute game and they went far too aggressive in the second half. And if you're going up against a team like Rangers that, create, that you know is good on the counterattack and a game that, that suits them for the counterattack, you should be able to understand that pushing your back line to the half line is not something that's going to work, and that's what happened because Pacini got caught out, and Ken had the easy counterattack, and he put it away. And that's another part where you look at the, 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 the transfer window and the guys they signed. You look at that counterattack. If they sign a guy who doesn't have such a lengthy injury history, does Brian Kent go in that one-on-one opportunity? Because I will remind you, the reason why he got that chance and the reason why he broke three was because of the fact that Pacini's hamstring went, which we knew was going to happen inevitably because his injury history is terrible. So it makes you wonder what, you know, there are guys in the region, there are guys in the Serbian league that could have easily filled that position and would have been physically ready. They decided to go with the guy who's got a great CV. He played for Italy. He played in Valencia. I get all that. And you decided to gamble with his injury history, and it came back to hurt them because if somebody else maybe doesn't get injured, maybe he tackles Ryan Kent, maybe something else happens, and it's a different game. And the misses that went, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, they, they had their chances. They conceded four goals. Rangers had their chances, mind you. It wasn't like that they, they were four for four on shooting. They also had their chances. They Bordeon also made some saves. So I think it's a natural step that the team has to take. I think that they played really well. I think that they, they deserve credit for going up against the team and Rangers did. Um, you know, you would argue technically would maybe have the advantage. It certainly looked like they had the advantage to build up, progressing the ball. I think Stockbridge deserves more credit than he's being given for the way that the team tactically transforms from defense to attack the ball's moving quickly 
they, they seem tactically responsible. You see Sandel was dropping back as a third center back. You're seeing Popkov and, and Aki working well with each other. Got the even these free roaming. You know, you see the midfielders who are, who are filling the gaps where they need to fill the gaps. So tactically, the team's evolved. I think if you look at this Vizda team, this is the first Vizda team that could potentially make the Champions League where you can legitimately go, okay, they're not going to be last with zero points. They're not going to embarrass themselves. They could be competitive against anybody, and this game showed that. But also, the chances that they missed are something that was never really going to happen due to all the things that happened in the past and something that, unfortunately, you practice and, and you work at it and then you're just more efficient at finishing. And they have to work on that. Otherwise, this is going to keep repeating for themselves. But I think that they can still hold their heads up high. I just think that they need to, for their sake, which I hope they won't do, and I know they won't do because that's how they operate, that they stop living in this super protected bubble. And, and it's like the fat kid who gets all the candies but doesn't get the one candy he really wants and he's trying to temper tantrum, like the press conference thing and, you know, the digs and rangers and all this stuff. Like, it was 4-2. It wasn't like it was 4-4 on penalties. They, they put their chances away as it didn't. And that's how it goes in European football. And, and by the way, they can take from their history that they have because as in the 80s, had a super talented team that was, you know, could play against Real Madrid and beat them 4-2 and smash Milan at home at the fog. And then they go up against Club Bruges and they go up against Cologne and they can see two or three or four goals and they get knocked out. Like, it took a while to get that experience, to develop those players, to get that defensive stability above all else, which is another key aspect because Vezda certainly wasn't lacking going forward. They were lacking in the defense. You have to get that if you want to be successful in defense and championships so, and games. And, Alex, so on that point there, Right? That you, because again, just so eloquent. On that point there, and if I can just say a quick word about now the coefficient and moving, you know, into the future, moving forward. But I oh, Jesus, I hate that phrase. Um, football is hard work. Right? Football is really, really, really hard work. Now, there's an element within our media, within our journalism, is the fact is that since. Serbia now have got that higher coefficient rating and we um, are going to get, you know, quicker entry into the last stage of qualifiers for uh, both European competitions. There's that element in there that we think that that is a, a justice serve for what happened to us 20 years ago, 25 years ago. No, that is actually a reward of what we've done in the last two to five years but this is the trick we now need to stay there right and that's this is where the real hard work needs to come we need to justify our coefficient rating we need to justify our um, elements of being um, uh, where we are now and that takes hard work players win the ball teams win games and clubs win trophies so the fact is that, okay, we believe that, you know, at this point in time, a European trophy is, is still only in its infancy of a pipe dream. And Zvezda Partizan basically fight it out to win the domestic league. But it, is, it should be our goal, is how do we get into the most top European competition that we can and then have a fallback opportunity to go into the next European competition down and then how do we get as far as we possibly can and that takes hard work and i hope both those clubs know that and it takes time that's uh, right and i'm just gonna sorry Luke, go no, no go ahead go ahead bro i was just gonna say uh, alex i do agree with you a bit about you know the missed chances 
some of those chances, I, I mean, I agree when you said they're not unlucky, because I think some of those chances, yes, McGregor made really good saves, but other chances, I think it was just a lack of composure in a big time match situation, which is normal. I mean, you know, it's a big game, everything's on the line, uh, big lights, full maracana, and all those things. Uh, it's a lot of pressure, and you might miss and choke in those moments. I think a lot of the chances, I wouldn't say it was a bad luck miss. I would just say it was a lack of, you know, composure and, and calmness in that key moment, which really cost, especially with, you know, the Pafko miss and Enoki and all that. So I do agree with you a bit. I think Zvezov was unlucky in a sense against Rangers, but I don't think, you know, I don't think I can say with a clear conscience that Rangers was lucky to go through. Because, as you mentioned, they scored four goals. They could have scored a couple more, if we were honest. And Bodham did have a, bunch, a couple of good saves as well, as you mentioned. Um, so I see both points of view. I definitely see Zvezda fans being let down by all the misses. But also see the well, Rangers fans' may, point really, of view. Really, really quickly, I, I, I don't want to be misunderstood. I, I, I do agree that it was someone unlucky. I just dislike the general fatalistic approach that the Zvezda fans and that the domestic media has. Like... I, like people are feeling it's like it's a tragedy. Like oh my god, we lost, and it's a disaster, and we and we had a chance that we're never going to repeat again. Like no, you played a good game, you missed some chances. You know it, it, it happens. You know big players miss chances in other clubs. It's a natural step that you have to take. Like for example, we can we can go to basketball. It took the basketball club Partizan Rosavesta. It took them years being in the Euro League and finishing 11th and 12th and 13th until they finally, they got into the top 16. Then they got into the last eight, and then they got into the final four. That took like seven, eight, nine years of hard work, of changing players, right. of unlucky losses, of things like that. It takes time. And and the part that bothered me and what I was referring to is like, it, it, it's almost like the, the fans in the media feel like they got stoned, like something got stolen from them. Well, no, nothing got stolen from you. You, you weren't good enough to go through. You were maybe a little bit unlucky. But it's not exactly like Zvezda has been particularly unlucky in the last five years. And I think that the whole thing is just get on with it. Like, put your head down. You've got a good team. You know, you've got money where you can buy players now. You've got a good position. Figure something out for the next year. Because there's no use crying over spoiled milk. You know, they're not going to replay the tie. So just keep working hard. Yeah, especially, now right when, now. Uh, especially now when we can get all the Gazprom money. Nobody else wants that Gazprom money. We'll take it all. <laughs> You're going to swim the big banks. So just put your head down, you know, fix the positions that need to be fixed. There are guys that you can sign. Now as well as actually has money where they can sign players. They have the, the big name and a manager who's recognizable if Stankovic stays, of course, which we'll see. You know, that, that, that's always up in the air. So put your head down. They're going to get into the groups again, probably the Europa League, maybe the Champions League, and work at it. And, and they can make maybe a run at the quarterfinals. But whining about it, how it was so unlucky and how this chance is never going to happen again, it's like, Nothing good's going to come uh, that, That's what I'm referring to, the fatalistic. Yeah, and, and know, I agree. I agree with you on that aspect there, Alexa. Like, the fatalistic, like, this is never going to repeat itself. Hey, man, just a couple years ago, we were playing Liverpool in the Champions League, dude. You know, it was, it was like, arguably an even better better thing happened. So, the fatalistic uh, nature of it, I definitely agree with you on. Unlike unlike uh, Milos here, I can definitely say it with a clear conscience, I don't think the best team went through between Zvezda and Rangers. I really don't, man. I think over the two legs, but, I think. But we can use that argument for Zvezda and Salzburg too, which doesn't it doesn't. Yeah, but I'm talking about Zvezda. I'm talking about I'm talking about Zvezda and Rangers, the game that we're talking about right here, dude. I don't think the be- be- better team went through. And like over the two legs, I'm talking about. I think we were unlucky. 
big game composure, whatever you want to say. Sure, all of those, all of those were factors. But at the end of the day, these are also uh, these are also goals and chances that we that we know this team can put put away because they've done it before and they've done it against bigger teams and on a bigger stage. So it's like all of this stuff. Yeah, we can make excuses for it. At the end of the day, it's not like they 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 were horrible or got outplayed or they even lost to a better team. In my opinion, I think. I think Zvezda was just unlucky. And will this chance come again if we keep going the way we've been going in the last five years? Of course it will. And not only that, I think better chances will come. To take the fatalistic attitude that it's never going to happen again is obviously dead wrong. That's just selling yourself short and you're selling the program short and you're selling what they're building short. Mm-hmm. What, I'm, what I'm most worried about moving forward with Zvezda is the coaching situation, as you guys have mentioned. And like, I think our last couple of coaches have been amazing. And if and if I want Stankovic to stay, I wanted him to stay the whole time. And if he does, that's fantastic. That's awesome, and very much welcome. If he doesn't, we really got to find someone with with a lot of uh, pedigree who the players can get behind. Because I think the thing that can derail this this path that Zvezda has been on for the last five years, you know, playing Champions League, playing Europa League, uh, winning winning the domestic titles. What can really derail it is a really, really shitty coach, and I just hope, hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, well, I think if he leaves, I mean, the only real guy that's out there is Milovic, who's who just got let go from the Saudi club, right? Yeah, but then I'm also I'm also not sold on that one either, man. Like, yeah, he yeah, did well for me either. But there's not really many like who else are going to go right, after, right? Right. Pavlovic right? is a Partizan guy. Yeah. Jokanovic, same thing. Partizan guy. There's not many. Options other than it's funny when you look at it, all the, all the top coaching prospects came from our school. Pavlovic, Jokanovic, Marko yeah. Milic. Hey, maybe maybe uh, Miha, Miha Mihalic is leaving. Uh, oh, yeah, so. bring him <laughs> But, but you have know, to man. wonder what, what he would he take no, up right, the right, right. stress. That right. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't think I mean, he would they, have they, any. I mean, Dan Stankovic has lost like all of his hair and just a year and a half. He's going to You know, with That's right. Let me just tell you that. Luko Petrovic is still coaching in Vietnam, so I'm just there going to that there. <laughs> He's never going to stop. He's going to turn back. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And, and I think a big thing will be the, the transfer season. Partizan, I understand bringing players back that used to play for the club, but you don't have to bring them all back. I mean, for the love of God, you don't have to bring <laughs> it's back. Not a, it's not an issue of bringing players back. It's bringing guys back that aren't ready. Like, Marko Yevtovic is the guy who we brought back, and he looks ready to go. Right. We've seen him play. He, he can move. He can pass. You know, he's got it. You know, just bring guys back that can run. Like, give him a face it. Don't bring a dude back and then say he's one of the fittest guys in the team and he hasn't played a second of football. <laughs> you know, it's right, like, exactly. it's, it's, it's pretty insulting, not to yeah, mention at, at this stage, I'm pretty sure Sanders is going to bring back uh, Kostic, I mean, Tostic in the, in the offseason because this season's no, about I, I, to end. No, I just coming. I did not just coming. I just coming, yeah. Well, well, you know what? I, I, I don't mind that. I just don't know his motivation currently because he hasn't been playing for a year and, he wasn't really the most motivated guy when he was to playing anyways, with, yeah. right? So so we'll see how that goes. But I know we could talk about this forever, but it's been a while on the show now. I think we've got to switch gears quickly to the national team. And we have two games coming up in the next week, one against Hungary and Budapest, and then one against uh, Denmark and Copenhagen. Uh, next week, a uh, couple of tune-ups, our first game since, you know, that beautiful night in Lisbon back in November. Uh, the squad came out. Pixie named the squad. No surprises at all. Only a couple injuries to Vlahovic, uh, which was unfortunate, and then Maximovich and Elazic uh, as well, who will miss out. Uh, no new players tested. And I think during his press conference, 
Pixie kind of had an attitude of, uh, I'm not here to experiment. I know my team and all that, which, you know, fair point to him. This is the team that got us to, got us to, you know, being first in the group in Portugal and beating Portugal, going straight to the World Cup. So you can't really argue with him. But I'm not sure if I agree with his point of view 100%. I think, you know, there's always time and a, and a place to test new players. And I think he has tested new players. You know, he gave different players a chance, like Benmanchevich in the last friendlies and all that. Uh, but Luca, what are your thoughts on the squad, these upcoming friendlies, and kind of his attitude of, uh, you know, I'm not here to test players. We're here to win. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, dude. I, like, I don't, uh, I guess I don't agree with it completely. But at the end of the day, it is Stojkovic, and I don't think he steered the team wrong. Uh, and he's always had a uh, vision for the team and the way that he likes to conduct business. And he's followed through with it. You know what I mean? So, like, um, it's his team. He's the coach, and he's making the calls, and, and, I, and I respect the hell out of it. Um, as far as, like, the squad that was called, yeah, there was probably, like, a few holes that we can fill. Um I uh, I wouldn't have mind, minded seeing some new names on there. However, at the same time, man, I think it's going to be extremely important that we hit the ground running in these friendlies, man. And you just got to carry the momentum from, from Portugal, from, from qualifying for the World Cup directly. Like, all of these things have to be in the back of their mind. And I think, obviously, with, it's because Stojkovic is coaching. I think he knows how these, these things go, obviously. He's a very experienced man. Um, he's going to treat it like these next two games like they're actually worth something and i think um it's exactly how we should treat it and and it should be a a uh prolonging of world cup qualification so the games have that much weight on them while also obviously getting prepared for the world cup that's happening in just a few months time um i am if we get anything less than a win and a draw i think it would be a major disappointment um if we get two wins, obviously, it'd be fantastic. But, but I am a little, a little sad to see the Vlahovic is not going to play, obviously, because uh, I think him and um, Mitrovic, we probably would have got a chance to see that, and I think they can also they have some more work to do together before they're fully gelled, um, and that would be a pretty, pretty hectic attack for anybody to handle. I don't care what defense it is uh, with those two guys up top. So I, I was kind of hoping to see that a little bit more. And I, I, I think we will get a chance to see it hopefully before the World Cup, um, obviously. But that does give Luka Jovic a chance to hop in there and, and do something in one of these next two games, which uh, could he could really use a goal, obviously. And with the things that with the way things have been going with, with him in, in Roma. Oh, man. Yeah, dude. Poor Luca. Poor Luca. I know, man. I, I, I really, <laughs> oh, I really man. feel for him, man. When you see, you know, Real Madrid losing fucking four zero to Barcelona, and he's not even one of the five subs or whatever, four or five subs. How much ever Ancelotti, Ancelotti uh, used? It's just, yeah, man. He just needs to get the hell out of there. And I, it, it they sounds needed like a goal, man. and then sub on their only striker. Right? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, man. Oh my god. Yeah, dude. Uh, uh, yeah, I feel. I, you know, I, I think a lot of people were a bit sour on Luka Jovic, maybe because you know who's married to and all that stuff. Right. But. I think now everybody's just like feeling bad for this guy. Yeah, they're to like, like, just get the hell out of there. Make it and get out of this. Get the hell out of there and go back to what you're doing, man. Please, right. for the love of God. Right, right. Well, Belly. We didn't but that's got to be up to That's got to be up to him, though, doesn't it? We all saw it coming, come, anyways, right? Yeah, like, come on, let's let's really, really be fair. That's got to come from him. 
whether Luka Jovic wants to sit it and keep wearing the the Real Madrid training gear, or does he want to really pursue his football career? Yeah, man, a hundred percent. And right. I'm and I'm tired. So this, I'm tired of him posting his fucking like. The training clips on Instagram. Training goals. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, dude, that really doesn't... Like, he's got it. He's got it. He can leap over the cone very nicely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's going to score, like, five million training goals. Yeah, right? Nice. <laughs> like, yeah, man, you're doing well in training, but I don't see you on the pitch at all. And I'm sorry to interrupt all you. All right, can I then just be a little bit um, uh, trying to read between the lines of what um, the selected Stoikovic had to say with especially... Picking this latest team because right in front of me now, I've got up the squads that were had between the Serbia Portugal game in Lisbon and the teams that he's picked out, um, picked out versus uh, Denmark and Hungary, almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So, what I'm reading into his comments is the fact is that do you know what? There really isn't anybody else slamming the door down to get into that team. Right. This and is the I World Cup team. Cause, this, I think that's cause for concern. I think that's cause concern between now, we're almost getting to the end of March and the beginning of November when um, uh, your team will be announced. Is this group of players now able to rest on their laurels and say, well, we're in? Because let's look at it. I've only got the midfield here in front of me, okay? Nemanja Gudel, who I rate so highly. I've spoken to him about um, a million times on the pods previous. Is he standard first 11 picked every week for Sevilla? Well, he's starting to... He is now. He is now. He is now. He hasn't been all season. Okay. Nemanja Radunic. No. Wow. Okay, Sasha Lukic to Torino. Yes. Okay, Marco Grujic, Porto. Uh, no. No. It's also what? Yeah, so Uros, he plays, but Uros not. Uros to Valencia. No. Plays not a lot though. Okay, Andrei Zhivkovic to Pauk. Yes. yes. Philip Kostić to Eintracht Frankfurt. hundred yes. percent. Milenkovic Savic at Lazio. Yep. Yes. First name on the sheet. But is he is he is he, is he sending the world is he sending the world alive? Well, I mean, there's issues with that team, I think. Exactly right. The good part it is that he's playing, but is he changing games for his team? He's yes. another guy. Yes. On, on what you're looking at, if you're looking at goals and assists, not really, but if you're looking at his all-around game. Yeah, I, I think he's yeah, pivotal. Yeah, but he's, a, he's another guy that really needs to th- rethink stuff as well. Yeah, and it's then time for a move. Karthich, we, don't, we don't really need to go, we don't need to uh, really um, uh, go through that. Okay, let's go through our defensive line. Strakanya Pavlovic. No. no. No, Okay, he's in he's in Basel. He was on the bench on the weekend. And the other thing is, is now when you're on the bench and you haven't played, there's five substitutes now, not three. Do you know what I mean? So for whatever minutes that you're getting, um, you know, there is more opportunity. So Stefan Mitrovic at Hatafe. Right? Nikola Mitrovic. Yeah, Nikola Milankovic, we don't need to speak about mm-hmm. him. He the, the man's a star. Mm-hmm. Order Spage. He's, he's playing now. Yeah, Turkey, Yeah, Milos Sh- yeah, Velkovic. He's playing. Okay, Matija Nastasic. Nope. Mm-mm. All right, Mihailo Ristic and Montpellier. Starting every week. 
Okay, Alex Aterisic to Fiorentina. No. And the other thing is Philip, Philip Mladenovic playing in Poland, but, you know, we, yeah. I think it's, you can see that from an aeroplane, he's a real backup, right? So yeah. this, is, this is the thing that we have at the moment, is that I'm not taking away from the optimism, and I'm not taking away from what we've achieved, but I'm saying that qualification is over, right? Qualification is over, and we need to see, okay, where, where are we at right at the moment? And the thing is that I still believe that I know I know there's only two friendly games, but Serbia need to win these both mm. to show progress, to show that change in mentality that we have, and to show to you know to put the message out there that we we mean business. Because what I see in the undercurrent is the fact is that it could be a playing group that is resting on their laurels. Of whereby um, you know, okay, uh, the teams are picked now for these two upcoming friendlies. That's going to be exactly the same squad that goes to the World Cup in Qatar. Right. Well, I think Pixie in his press conference, he's kind of you know said that in not so many words, but he said that these kind of these friendlies aren't too important. And he's more focused on the Nations League. So the Nations League is where we might see some more players get a chance and him take a different look at guys. Uh, he doesn't seem too keen on friendlies and, and all that. And, you know, this very well may be the best players that we have. I mean, it's hard to argue for too many other guys. I think maybe you have uh, Birmanjevic was playing well, but it's in the, Swiss, in the Swedish league. You have Jovanovic who's scoring a lot of goals, but it's in the Israeli league. Uh, there's Adakwic, a young player, of course, but oh, but I say also the, also the Go ahead, go ahead. No, sorry, brother. This is the only thing I say to that. The goals in Israel and the goals in Spain are the same size. We still play with the size five ball, right? So if you're in form, you're in form. You know, like, do we really want to be in a situation where our national team is there to give Strakonja Pavlovic some minutes, to give Nemanja Radonic some minutes, to give Luka Jovic some minutes? I'm not sure. Yeah, man, but but right? like Strakonja Pavlovic was playing great for the national team even when he wasn't getting yeah. minutes at his club. So exactly. like, Pixie said as much. He said if I absolutely, have to look at all my absolutely. players, I'd be left in my head. So, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, I, I I agree with you. There's no conflict here. There's no there's no debate here. I agree with you both. All three of you, beg your pardon. But that runs out after a while. As, right? as, long, rather, as long as they perform for the national out, team, I'd I rather I run really out care. next year than right now. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like... Um, that's the thing that we just need to keep an eye on. But, but to propose a quick counter-argument, I would say also that if you go into international games, if you look at the past tournaments, like the teams that have gone far, not all of their players played a bunch of minutes in the league. Obviously, the main right. stars, they all play 38, 35 games. But the other guys who were key contributors to their squads didn't play that many minutes. And if you play that many minutes for your club, eventually you're going to get down. Like, like the, the, the schedule is just so congested. And right. The pictures are just so crammed together. You're, you're inevitably going to get tired. So them not getting minutes, in some ways, yes, it can be a bit of a problem if they're injured. But if they're just not playing, I think first when they come into the national team for the first time in a while. Also, the young guys that aren't playing right, like Pavlovic, Ljubovic, uh, Radnich, those guys are they got fresh like they'll be fine. Indeed, and also they're coming to an atmosphere where they're going to be nurtured. They're coming to an atmosphere. All those guys are they're going to compete for starting jobs. They have the support of the manager. So that can give them an extra incentive to, to show the, 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 the club manager, hey, listen, this is what you're missing out on. Like, same thing was with Mitrovic. 
Like he wasn't starting in, in, back in March last year, and then he, he puts him off the bench, and he scores five in two games, and, and you know he basically saves us <laughs> that qualifying period when he wasn't playing for Fulham. So I wouldn't necessarily look at it like that. I think that, yes, it's always good when you're in form for your club, but I also think that... What about uh, Stojkovic back in 2010 when he was a bench warmer and then he saved the penalty against Germany? You know, he wasn't, then, that guy wasn't then, starting for years. Indeed. And then you had Bijan the next year saying that because he's not playing in a good enough league, he's not going to start him and this and that. But, uh, you know, the, the point that, that I would just say to that is that, again, sometimes if, you're, if you play that many games, you're just going to be, you're going to be worn out at some point. And I think that the thing that this team has, which we've talked about, is that, first of all, on the squad... Yes, there might not be enough new names. I think a part of that is because if you look at the general culture around the national team around Pixie, it's kind of starting to turn, not negative, of course, but you've seen the thing with Dresden Terzic. You've seen the thing with the FA. You've seen the whole pressure that's kind of raising and people are starting to raise their expectations. We're going to go to the semifinals, this, that, yada, yada, yada. And I think he's just trying to keep a tight-knit group in the locker room, and I think he's just trying to tight, keep it tight for himself. Like, this is what we have. This is what we're good with. I'm going to keep this because the, the euphoria is never really going to increase itself. I think he's trying to run a tight shit. And also, if you look at the squad we have now, it's not so much who you're going to take in, it's who you're going to take out. Because none of the guys in that squad are guys that you can go, all right, they don't deserve to be there. Like, none of the guys in that roster, you can go, all right, well, they're, they're there for this, that, and the other. They're there because they're good enough to play. So I think he's running a tight ship in that sense. And I think that the games that, that uh, we have, these two games, I'll close on that and I'll, I'll leave it to you guys, is that. Hungary, I've said before, I think is a really important game in the sense that they're, they're the only team that we've come up against in a while that's actually playing the same style that we do. They play the same formation we do. They play a very physical, very pragmatic style of football. And I think because we haven't run into them in the group. Portugal didn't play for each back. Luxembourg, Ireland, none of those teams play that way. And I think positionally, which I mentioned before in previous podcasts, it could be a really good testing ground to see how we're going to go up against a team like that. Especially now if you look at the, the pots and the way things can go in a World Cup draw. We might get a team like that. In the nation's league, we're going to get teams like that. So I think it's another way to, to prepare for that. And then in Denmark, game, we're going up against a team that, that is a European Championship semifinalist, pot two team. The pots might go in pot one. Bunch of talent. They're going in their place. The record against Scandinavian teams isn't great. You know, it's a great opportunity to see your best squad against their best squad. And I think that the, these games are important, and I think they're going to treat them as such. I know that he said he doesn't really care about the friendlies, but again, um, sometimes you have to keep uh, a tight ship as a manager and you don't have to say everything to the media. And I'm sure that in, in, in the locker room and I'm sure that in the practice ground, he's telling them, you know, go out and play your best and, and go out and win. You're not here to compete. Uh, you're here to win. And I think that he's instilled that mentality and trying to stay with it. Right. And I wouldn't read into it too much. I'm excited for both games. I think that they're games that are really good tests for the first time in a while. We've actually started to structure a World Cup preparation well. And I also think that, again, you have to keep into account, like the World Cup's in November, I think it's much more important the form that our players are going to have then and the minutes that they're going to have in September and October and the injuries they're going to have at that point than the form they're going to have now because everything has been moved, you know, months later on. And it's, it's tricky. It's hard to navigate because we've never had a World Cup in the winter. You know, it's going to be the middle of the season. You know, the, the, you have to keep in mind that some of the seasons are either going to start earlier or later than their planned dates because of that. You know, the transfer window is going to be moved. So it's a messy all over the place, and it's hard to navigate that. So sticking with what you've already had doesn't really seem like such a bad idea because most squads are sticking with what they have. I'm not seeing too many new call-ups in other countries that are of similar stature. Like Croatia and Denmark, other teams are not calling up five, sixteen guys. So I don't see why we should even no. play it anyway. And I'm also, and, 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 if you, and if you're going to figure out that your team is 
getting too comfortable and, you know, enjoying, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid of a past accomplishment. Well, you know, it's better to find that out now in these friendlies right. than in, in, you know, at the World Cup, which we found out in the past, <laughs> you know. So I think, I think Pixie, I think he knows what he's doing. And if he does notice something is slipping and some guys are not taking it seriously or getting too comfortable, I think he's the type of guy who's not going to tolerate that and he'd stamp that out right away. And uh, I'm sure he won't. And he's a know. big enough name to where he can do it. Like, he can mention exactly. those guys and they can't really say anything to him. Right. And he has he's benched he has mostly, mostly everybody, right? He's benched people. SMS has come off the bench, you know? Everybody's come off the bench. Everybody's so. come off the bench. Everybody's come off the bench. Hey, Miller, how is this guy, Pixie, going to say that he doesn't care about friendlies when he's putting in, you know, Tadic and the A squad when we were up for here? Yeah, against Qatar. I, guess Qatar. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, maybe he just wanted to get him warmed up for Portugal. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, I know. He's, just, he's, he's, a, he's a bit of a troll. I think we, we all know that by now. <laughs> I look at his face. He, he, I, I, love, I love the fact that I look at his face. He looks so bored and so annoyed at the press conference. Uh, yeah. I, like, I can't believe I have to ask this stupid question. And he's like trolling them half the time. He's talking about the weather. He's talking about, oh, well, three days ago. Or was it four days ago? I got a call. He's talking. Like, he's going into this soliloquy where he's like storytelling. Cause he, he's making a joke out of it because he knows how stupid the question is. There's an important question asked in those press conferences. Yeah, the question like, about if uh, Mancini called him for advice on Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> see that? Like, like what? No, like, I didn't Come on, bro. Somebody actually asked yes. him. So, somebody asked him if, if uh, an Italy manager, Mancini, called him for advice on how to beat Portugal. Like, oh, <laughs> what? Man, like, come on, man, get out of you here. You look at and the smile on his face. He's kind of looking distantly, and he's kind of like has this smirk on his face, which he's just answering very politely, but he's probably thinking <laughs> that this is such a crawfish. Oh, yeah. But whatever, I'm going to have to. And uh, before we go, Valley, as, as usual, any uh, closing thoughts, any shout-outs? Shout-outs. This week's shout-out is to the Springvale White Eagles Serbian club that play in NPL 3, which is the third tier of Victorian football. Um... And you're going to go, yeah, what's the big deal? Victoria is one of the biggest populated states in Australia. I think they're copping seven or eight uh, million people. Um, you know, apart from the Serbian community, there's probably about seven and a half million airheads. But um, uh, so it's a really, really decent league. They didn't get off to the greatest start um, uh, last weekend, but this weekend they're playing against uh, Preston, which is a team of the Macedonian community, so there's a little bit of a local rival, local derby there, so we wish the boys from the Springvale White Eagles all the very, very best, and that's my shout-out for this week. There we if go. If I may, very quickly, shout-out to all the fine people on Twitter who are fighting to keep our current crest of the FA alive. Do not change the crest. Please I adhere know, to our demands. It looks terrible. It's fat. It looks like a freaking flamingo. It's not good. Don't Change it. Okay, thank you. I second. Uh, uh, yeah, Luca, as the as a fashion expert in, in in the crew here. I mean, bro, why is it so wide? It's too I wide, know, like dude. So much like negative bro. space with that fucking the red, dude. It's I, like I, somebody I, hit I, the four three aspect ratio and went to sixteen. Nine. Yeah, for real, dude. Dude, <laughs> it's, too, it's too wide. Like nobody wants a wide ass. All right, logo. Come, come, hey, guys, 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 guys. Can I go back to then? Okay, I I see both points of view, right? But can we go back to blue shorts? Oh yes, right. Oh, yeah, of you course, know, but... you know. Can we go back to blue shorts and get out? Yes, and like so say all of us. Whoever decided to fiddle around, this is, and again, this is why these people need to be beaten over the head with a <laughs> with a piece of four by two timber, right? Like, why would you fuck with that? 
You had a melee. I know. Yeah. The crest was like the only half-beast thing in there. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Literally, the only thing that's been good. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so I would rather have the blue shorts back than, than the change of the crest. You know what I mean? But that's just me personally, and that's the beauty about being a Serbian. You know, you can have 25 people in a room and you have 47 opinions. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, it, 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 looks like, it looks like one of those crests that you design on Pro Evolution Soccer when they don't have the licenses. I mean, you're trying Literally. to draw it, but you can't, like, you can't transfer on, And I know because I did that. That was 2008, and it still looks more modern than what you saw. Nobody has a wide again, crest like that. Nobody. Like, there's I a can, reason why. It's ugly. I'd, yeah. rather, I'd, rather, I'd rather get all highly on my moral high horse on your asses, but I would rather have it that it's available, you know, that whatever the new shirt is, to have it available in Serbia so people can afford to buy it, right? That's That would be my ultimate dream. Right. Don't have like, the shirts go through Puma and Adidas and make them 100 pounds a pop, please. Yeah, make them affordable, yeah. for God's sakes. And make them somewhat decent. Don't Remember the Puma atrocity four years ago? Give us something good. Or don't change the kids we have now. Bro, They're fine. Yeah. Just keep like, the, this is yeah, the best no, 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 Alexa, no, 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 Alexa, maybe, possibly, but I'll stand corrected. You, you missed my point, right? When, like, the, the 2018, like, nobody could afford that. The only person that could afford that is, like, us, you know, like, us three coming in from um, wherever, wherever we are because we've got the money to buy that. I want to keep well, that's the That's not market. true. Luca, Luca, Luca would, but he wasn't investing in Bitcoin at the time. That's right. So absolutely. I want, I want a, you know, I want a 12 year old kid called Marco to, to be, you know, who lives in Shabbat to be able to buy. I want an 11 year old Yelena who lives in um, Subotica, but, but you have, you know, being able to buy it. That's what I want. Right, so I'd rather as many people that we can in our national colours for when these big things happen. It's it's easier for us. Full stop. Right, there's no there's no discussion there. But I, you know, if the FA could make it so more people could wear it, more people have access to it, I think that would be the ultimate dream. Amen, Valley. And on that note, everybody, thank you for joining us, and have a great week.